Podcast One production. It took me a while to put a name to the rare quality that is palpable in Gabby Bernstein's life and presence. Her divine wisdom is the old-fashioned sort presented in new ways. Gabby turned to spirituality on and off throughout her teens and early 20s until in the darkest hour of drugs and alcohol, it was spirituality that saved her. Gabby has now dedicated her life's work to being a teacher of love and inspiration in the world. Gabby says the key to feeling good is to stop feeling bad. It's as simple and profound as that. What follows is an intimate conversation about reframing negative thought patterns, the dark days of her struggle with postpartum depression, and how when we choose to shift our thoughts from fear to love, we become a magnet for miracles. Before seven years old, we were imprinted upon. We've The experiences that we had where we didn't have the opportunity to properly release a traumatic event or properly process a wound can be carried on for a lifetime. And that's where therapy comes through and you can begin to clear the energetic disturbances that live beneath your habits, your patterns, the chaos that you create in your life. So when we start to begin to undo those belief systems, that's when we start to become more free. In that freedom, we become super attractors. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life, and hopefully yours too. Gabby Bernstein is a New York Times bestselling author of many books, including The Universe Has Your Back, Judgment Detox, and her newest book, Super Attractor. It was an absolute blessing to meet Gabby, whose spiritual teachings have had such a profound effect on me. In this episode, you will learn how to attract your desires and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Gabby, your newest book, Super Attractor, is an absolutely fabulous book. What inspired you to write that? Well, it's a simple answer. I wanted to feel good. And so I wrote the book because it was a topic that I knew would bring me joy. And I knew that if I felt good, that the reader would feel really good reading it. And that has been the case. I mean, it's definitely comes through. And even being on a book tour and talking about this book and giving giving lectures and going on podcasts has just reinforced that good feeling. So it worked. <laughs> because obviously you've written, you know, a lot of books before, but why is this book, why did you feel the need to write this one to be a super attractor? Well, I think all my other books have been really leading up to this point. I've, yes. I've written a lot of books about how to transform fear into faith and <clears throat> change your perception of your life. And I believe that my reader is ready now to really begin to use that power, use that inner inner wisdom, that personal transformation as a way of attracting what they desire, aligning with uh, a, a presence of, of energy that they believe in that, that allows them to be in the stance of a super attractor. And when we're feeling good, when we're committed to trusting that there's a, a spiritual connection within us, that's when we become a super attractor. This is a this is a book on really giving the reader permission to be unapologetic about what they desire. And I think people are ready for that. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, I mean, all your books have been fabulous, but I think this is like absolutely one of the best. When did you know that you're a super attractor? So it's a great story. I, uh, early in my career, I had a coach and we had set these intentions for my, there were career intentions. We had set these intentions for my first book deal and for some, some media placements that I believed that was, that this work was worthy of. And we put it all out there. All of it happened and then some. And I called her, I was like, I, I, you know, it's unbelievable. Everything we said happened. And she just responded. She said, you're a super attractor. And I took that with me for the rest of my life. I was like, okay, I am a super attractor. And I committed to that. And I knew that whatever I wanted to create, as long as it was being created with service, love, and faith, that no matter what, it would happen in a way that was beyond even what I could expect. So... I've been living that way for quite some time. And there's many times throughout my life, my career and my personal life where I've been out of alignment with that super attractor power. Mm. I share all those stories in the book, uh, but I always come back fast. You know, you've obviously mentored so many people. You've taught so many people. What do you think is the biggest block for people attracting what they want? There's a bunch of blocks, but I think the biggest one is when people are pushing and controlling, trying to make things happen. Mm. And that's actually, it's two blocks in one because the reason someone would push is because they're afraid that if they don't do it, nobody else will, or if they don't make it happen, it won't happen. That fear is the root cause of the need to push, the fear of not being good enough, the fear if I don't get this, I won't be worthy. But the pushing energy is ultimately, that's not a sexy energy. It's not, it's not attractive to be in that pusher, in the presence of a pusher, right? Yeah. And so that block is, is, is very, very serious because it's, it's, you'll never be able to attract what you truly desire if you're trying to force it to happen. You speak a lot about manic manifesting, which I think is so interesting. And a lot of people do that. So they think that people are, you know, been following this spiritual path and doing all the bits and pieces. They're meditating every day. They're praying every day. They're doing all those kind of things, but they seem to not be able to get what they want. Can you explain what this manic manifesting really is and how does one get out of out of that? Well, the manic manifester is the person that comes up to me at one of my talks and they, they say, Gabby, I'm doing everything right. I'm drinking all the green juice. I'm doing yoga. I'm reading all the books. I've read all of your books 15 times. I'm listening to the books on audio. I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the work, but I'm not manifesting, right? Does that sound familiar yes. to anybody listening? So that, that energy, once again, is pusher energy. It's manic energy. It's really intense energy and it's, it's not attractive in the sense of it's not in alignment with the energy of the universe. It's not, uh, and it's also, you know, a manic manifesting is another form of addiction in some ways. It's in that people using their spiritual practice to spiritually bypass their feelings, right? To really not even face what's underneath that need to get out of those feelings. And it'd be much deeper to do the work, to be still, to settle, to, to slow down, to do less so that you can attract more. So that manic energy is just another form of trying to force something to happen. You talk about obviously feeling good. How do we feel good? You know, in, in Super Attractor, you say, and this is, you know, so it's profound and so basic. The key to feeling good is to stop feeling bad. But, you know, obviously for people who are going through huge traumas, how do, how do they do that? And I know that you've obviously gone through your own as have majority of us. 
How did you deal with that, especially, you know, going through your darkest times with postpartum depression? That's a, a lesson I've brought up a lot that it's a bold statement to say the, 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 the way to stop feeling the decision, you know, the way to feel good is to decide to stop feeling bad. That's a bold statement. And for that person who's depressed or that person who's bankrupt or that person that's just gotten a divorce or physically unwell is sitting there listening, like, how the hell could I do that? But I can speak to it very, very authentically, as you mentioned. So about six months ago, I was suffering with postpartum depression, anxiety, insomnia, and and ultimately suicidal thoughts and words saying, I want to kill myself. This was the darkest moment of my life, but it was the decision to stop feeling bad that guided me out. Now, that didn't mean that overnight I was already feeling better. It was a decision to reach out for help daily. It was a decision to celebrate that I may have slept an extra 15 minutes the night before. It was a decision to say, I have support. It was a decision to lean into the health of my child and focus on what was thriving. And those subtle, small decisions add up. And they're also prayers. They're prayers for the next right action. Had I not allowed myself the ability or the, the the visioning or the dreaming to get better, I don't think I would have gotten out. So being in that decision was crucial. You've talked obviously openly about having to then take medication for having postpartum depression, which I know a lot in our world is like, oh, wow, you know, that's something that you may not have looked into before. But it was absolutely pertinent for you to have help this situation. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I was probably contributing to the stigma of mental illness <clears throat> without realizing it. You know, people would be listening into my audiences and they talk about panic attacks and depression and manic behavior. And I would never tell somebody to get off medication. I would always say, go talk to a doctor. But then my next response would be meditate. But when you're in, when you're having a biochemical issue, meditation does not work. You, when you are at a place where you are suicidal, your spiritual practice works from the standpoint that prayer will guide you, but it may not get you. It will guide you out from the standpoint of if, if you're able to listen, if you're able to receive that guidance. But the tools didn't work anymore for me. And it mm. took my therapist to actually call my husband and myself and say, and, and intervene. She mm. staged intervention and pretty much said, her tools aren't working. She has to be medicated. At which point I surrendered. Because to your point, in the wellness world, there is a tremendous amount of shaming around medication. But that's up. Yeah. It's going to kill people. When people have suicidal experiences, there is a time and a place for medication. And medication saved my life. But what it did most was it gave me a baseline of safety so that it allowed me to do deeper work on the traumas that were underneath these conditions. So I'm not suggesting that people go out and get meds. I'm suggesting that if you're struggling with postpartum or anxiety attacks or real severe depression, that you speak to a psychiatrist and you allow yourself the, the possibility of other help because spirit works through medicine, spirit works through doctors, spirit works through that friend that suggests that book, you know, it's coming through this podcast. So whatever you feel you are guided to, don't deny it because you're too righteous or you're too spiritual. Don't deny yourself that. It's funny, you know, because when you you are 
such a spiritual person, you do the spiritual practices every day. Did you lose faith at all? Like, why isn't my meditation working? Why aren't my prayers working? Never. I never lost faith. And that's how I was guided because I was always, I was desperate. I was so terrified, but I would never stop returning to prayer. Mm. And there was many, many moments before I was guided to the medical path and finally getting better. There were many moments of light along the way. There was one time where I was meditating and I went and I just sat in my meditation. My inner guidance system said, you can decide to stop being anxious now. And I did that. And I had maybe 15, 20 minutes of temporary relief. Wow. There's no, there's no denial that spirit was in this entire process. But the biggest thing I recognize is that when I finally surrendered and said, I need help beyond something I think I can do, melatonin isn't fixing this, mm. I... I was when I was receptive enough to receive the guidance and the guidance came in the form of my therapist. The guidance came in the form of a friend that referred me to the leading postpartum psychiatrist and all the resources that I was gifted. The, the real message for this is that God gave me postpartum depression so that I could speak so intimately about mental illness and so that I could help more people, period. End of story. I know that. It is funny, isn't it? I remember like looking at the Instagram story that you did when the first time that you mentioned that you had suicidal thoughts on Mother's Day. And I just thought to myself, wow, like no one is invincible of this stuff. I don't know why I would have thought you were Gabby Bernstein, but no Mm -hmm. one is invincible. And it is interesting and it's fabulous that you are able to speak about it now. It's horrible you had to go through that. But to be a voice out there for so many people. I mean, I've had so many friends go through this kind of stuff and, you know, to watch them and see that. And it is, it's, it, it's a scary, scary thing. So thank you so much for talking, talking out about this, about this topic, because I think it is so unbelievably important. And so many people have gotten shamed because there is, you know, the education on this is still, it, it's still new to an extent. So I still feel shamed when I speak to friends of mine that are like uber holistic and they're like, oh, well, you know, I just wonder if you could have done it without it. And I'm, I want to just be like, screw you. Like mm-hmm. I, I was going to die, you know? So you just got to be careful to not let those people get in the way of whatever you're being genuinely guided to. And most importantly, when it comes to things like any form of medication, you have to speak to a doctor and be, get a proper diagnosis. You can't just, you know, listen to a podcast and say, I need that. Right. Yeah. So, of course. but I'm speaking up about it so that people know that there are, there are gentler, softer ways to handle situations. In your book, Super Attractor, another method that you talk about that is quite fascinating words and how they affect people. So, you know, talking negatively. I'm just going to read a passage out of the book, which is which is quite interesting. It's important to become conscious of how your words affect other people. When you gossip, complain, judge, or put others down, you weaken your vibrational alignment with the universe. Be conscious of your words, even when you think what you're saying is helpful, because the language you use can be damaging. Why is this so important? Well, listen, the the experiences when you you could be saying something there's two things that are here happen here one is that you could be saying all the right things but with an energy of judgment and that will be damaging Mm. then you could be saying things with a nice voice and tone but the the words you're using 
have power and influence and that they can be damaging. So it's important to understand what is the energetic vibration behind the words and behind my intention of what I'm saying. Because we can we can really get in the way of other people's positive flow when we bring out negative stories that not even necessarily negative stories. Because I don't want people to stop sharing their truth by any measure, but to do it consciously and to support, to be, to be in an elevated conversation, even if it's a difficult thing that they've been through. In your book, you mentioned there are no idle thoughts. And I've always found this concept fascinating. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, everything we think has an energetic imprint. So we may be sitting here being very, very nice to somebody, but our thoughts are really judgmental. Our thoughts are really attacking. They will feel it no matter what. Mm. The thoughts you have, have have the power to affect everyone around you, even miles away. You know those moments when you're thinking about somebody and they text message you. It happened to me three times oh, yeah. today. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so that's the power of, of, of a vibrational thought. It can be picked up miles away. So don't think that because everything you're saying is so nice that people aren't feeling the negative thoughts that you may be projecting onto them. And also, I suppose, you know, going into that kind of law of attraction too, the more... Mm-hmm the way that you think is kind of what ends up becoming part of your reality to an extent. Yeah. Abraham Hicks says that the thoughts that you keep thinking become beliefs. Mm. So whatever it is that you have on repeat, don't you know trust that that will also carry on in a big way. If you choose to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it because it becomes a belief system and a belief system is what manifests. You reference a quote that I absolutely love, and I think I've used it a few times now, by Deepak, that I think is really profound. When you're happy for a particular reason, you're still in misery because that reason can be taken taken from you tomorrow. What do you think are the best methods for self-love? Well, I believe that we have to do a lot of committed inner work Mm. to undo the ego belief systems that have been imprinted upon us throughout our lives even particularly the work of what happened to us as children in our, in our young, young, before seven years old, we've been, we were imprinted upon. We've the experiences that we had where we didn't have the opportunity to properly release a traumatic event or properly process a wound can be carried on for a lifetime. And that's where a therapy comes through. And I think there, everyone should be in some form of, th- of therapeutic. I mean, I don't want to say everyone has to do therapy, but my prayer for every person out there is that they would be gifted with an opportunity to do therapeutic work because you can, you can begin to clear the energetic disturbances that live beneath your habits, your patterns, the chaos that you create in your life. So when we start to begin to undo those belief systems, whether it be through self-help books or therapy or, or podcasts like this, when we start to undo those belief systems, that's when we start to become more free. In that freedom, we become super attractors. That's so true. Um, there's, you talk about how there's more than enough to go around. Let's discuss this a bit. Why do you think people live in that fear state thinking that 
firstly, there isn't. And if someone else has it, then that jealousy kind of energy comes in. And how do we best stop that from happening and just focus on ourselves? Well, that's a belief system. That's a thought that's been thought over, over and over again. And that may be a belief system that was imprinted upon people as a ch- as children. If they had parents that were jealous or lacking, or, or maybe there was an experience that they had when they didn't get something that they thought they deserved. And so these experiences become stories and the stories become beliefs and those beliefs become our reality. And I think that people may carry those beliefs of lack in different areas of their life where they may carry it in their romance and they're not in their, not in their finance. So they may carry it in their finance and their romance, but not in their body, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of different places where that will show up and that shows up in places where we are still unresolved. Yes. So it's just another form of resistance, another form of of, uh, of a wound that has not been has not been honored, uh, a wound that has not been brought to the surface for healing. So when we're in a lack mentality, we have a belief that if I don't get it, I'm not good enough and that there is not enough to go around and that somebody else having it means that I can't. But in the, the antidote to that is to really get yourself into an energy of wanting more for others. Mm. Because when you start to want more for others, then you will become, you will get yourself out of the energy, that needy energy of thinking that, that, it's, that there isn't enough. And you'll start to recognize that the more you want for others, the more you begin to believe that there's enough to go around. Do you, I, you know, from from looking at a lot of people, I think that is one of the biggest one, the comparison to other people. And and it is, I suppose, focusing on ourself and that self-love that really allows us to transform that. How is it being a mum now? I love being a mom. I have this extra excited thing, excited being I can wake up to every single day. Every morning is like a celebration in my house because we get to go look at the baby. <laughs> he's a one years old next week, so he's no longer Aww. a baby. Uh, but it's the most excellent thing. And it's just the greatest spiritual assignment I've ever been given. My son saved me in so many ways because the experiences I had postpartum led me to the deepest healing I've ever known. And now he's led, leading me to the greatest sense of presence I've ever known because in his presence, I have to maintain my presence. So uh, he's my guru. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a very special, very cool person. Very, very cool person. What's your daily spiritual practice? I practice transcendental meditation. So I do two 20-minute TM meditations a day. Mm-hmm. I exercise in some way every day. So 20 minutes minimum of some movement of some kind every day. I have, I'm in a lot of therapy. I do a lot of therapy, which I'm so proud of. I'm like, I'm excellent at therapy. (laughs) And I do it not just for myself, but for my readers and for my audience members, because the more clean I become, the more clear I become, the more untethered I become, the greater a teacher I can be. And the more, the more, uh, the more my presence can heal and serve. So I've been working it with my therapy. I do EMDR therapy. I do somatic experiencing. I do uh, talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. I have two different therapists that I work with and I'm proud of that. And that is part of my spiritual practice. Uh, And I practice Kundalini yoga and meditation as well. When you reflect on your life stories and experiences thus far, what do you want people to take out of it? That's a great question. I would hope that people could see that with a spiritual foundation, you will always be resilient. It's so true. 
I think I've come into my own things and I think, you know, having that spiritual practice is seriously what saved me. So I completely agree with that. It's as simple as that. Knowing what you do now, Gabby, what would you say to your 20-year-old self? I would say you are safe. I know that you are the queen of prayers. What's your favourite prayer? My, my favourite simplest prayer is thank you, Spirit, for speaking through me. Whenever it's a prayer I rely on because as a speaker, I don't ever want to get on the stage and, and show up with an ego. So if I, as long as I say that, I know I will be, I will be moved and energy will move through me or even spirit. Thank you for writing through me or spirit. Thank you for parenting through me, you know, helping me be present with my son, just thanking spirit for whatever it is that I feel I need in order to get out of the way. What? are you most grateful for? There's a few things. My husband, my son, my son and my husband are most grateful. And then I'm so deeply grateful to be a teacher. Mm. What is a life of greatness to you? Feeling free. Gabby Bernstein, thank you for making your life one of service. Your teachings have and continue to make such a profound impact on millions of people and thank you for being one of my greatest spiritual teachers thank you stay connected by following a life of greatness on instagram at a life of greatness podcast if you enjoyed this episode subscribe rate and review a life of greatness on apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app A Life of Greatness is a Podcast One Australia production. Executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nicolich and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au.